We want to get in the Word today and share together a few minutes about what God is doing. And as I mentioned earlier, you know that we're living in some really troubled times in our world. Uh, what seems like what we look at, what we watch, what we listen to. You hear sounds, you hear, we see scenes where people are frustrated, they're angry, they're hurt, there's pain, people, there's anguish of people crying out. I remember when I was a teenager, the late 60s and early 70s, and there were some similarities to our day. Uh, I vividly remember the nightly news stories of that time of every night we saw things from the Vietnam War that were going on and the civil rights movement in the U.S. and the unrest on college campuses and the riots, the burning, the things going on in our cities. It was just a part of what was going on in our day. I remember during those times, those were the years that brought the deaths of President John F. Kennedy, Senator Bobby Kennedy, and Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. They were turbulent days in our country. And I really believe that the only real hope for people in our world is found in Jesus. I remember during that time, we had the Jesus movement going on, and I was one of those young people that came to Christ during that time. And I really believe that the only real hope and answer for our world now, as, as always, is found in Jesus Christ. And if we will listen to his message, if we will take heed to it, Jesus' command to his followers before he ascended back to the Father in heaven, I believe it holds hope for what we truly need. Here we find Jesus' mandate for all believers. In Matthew 28, 16 to 20, it said, Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. And my sense is that at first reading, some might say, how does that hold the answer for us today? But I think if we'll kind of peel back the layers here and look at some of the things that are being said, we'll see it absolutely brings the hope and the answer for what Jesus wants to bring to our, our world today. God has given, through Jesus Christ, He has given us a mandate for us as His believers, as the, true, uh, as the church, for true believers. He's given us a mandate that if we will follow and heed is the answer of the world going on around us. So what do we learn here? Interesting enough, one of the first things that we notice here, Craig Keener points out, is we learn about faith and doubt. That's kind of interesting. It might seem odd to us that Matthew, at the end of his gospel, is mentioning faith and doubt together. I think probably a lot of us, if we were to write, write this story, we would want it all to be about faith. We want it to be positive. We want it to be telling all the great stuff. 
But Matthew somehow intermingles here that there's both faith and doubt going on. It says when they saw Jesus, they worshipped him. But some doubted. Some worshipped. They recognized Jesus for who he really is. God with them. You remember Thomas, and it's neat that Chris and Jenna mentioned today about Thomas, but what was his confession when he really saw Jesus? My Lord and my God. Matthew opens his gospel with a dream that's given to Joseph. And in that dream where Joseph is told to take Mary as his wife, this virgin who is now pregnant with the seed of the Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ, becoming incarnate in our world. In that dream, God says to Joseph that he, Jesus is to be named Emmanuel. He'll be called Emmanuel, meaning God with us. When Jesus took on human flesh, he became God with us, walking among us. John will write later and say, that which we've seen and heard, we declare to you. We know what it was to hear him, to touch him, to be close to him, to experience him. He is God. And those that day, before Jesus ascends to go with the Father, some worship because it's like they get it. This is God with us. This is the Lord God among us. And he holds the answer. And yet it says, some doubt it. It's interesting that despite seeing Jesus, some still were struggling with their doubts and their questions and, and their concerns. And in this context, it maybe has more the idea they have this troubled indecision. Their, their, their faith, their, there's a littleness in their faith. It needs to grow. We're not talking about so much unbelief. Just they don't know what to make of all this. They're struggling. Craig Keener noted that it's interesting that Matthew in his gospel, he leaves out uh, after, the after the resurrection, he leaves out the appearances of Jesus to his disciples and followers there in Jerusalem. He talks about the tomb and the resurrection and the, and the ladies seeing him. And then immediately we jump, to, we jump to this place where Jesus is with his disciples and he gives this mandate because G Matthew is trying to focus here on the most important themes of the gospel. Let's look at that. Here we learn about Jesus' identity, that he is Lord that he is God. It says, Jesus came to them, verse 18, and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Jesus holds all authority. We need to understand that Jesus Christ is absolutely over all. Someday, either now or later, every knee is going to bow and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And it's interesting that the followers of Jesus, the first thing it says is we're baptized into the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Among the, the Jewish believers, they would recognize that, that God is deity. He's God. 
The Holy Spirit is deity. But to be able to be baptized into the name of Jesus Christ is saying we put Jesus, we recognize that he also is on the same level as God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, this triune God who reveals himself as God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Jesus is God always has been. He's not a created being at some point. Jesus has always been. He just took on human flesh to become God with us. It's interesting, just kind of a side note, but some have noted that when Satan came to Jesus and tempted him early on, he said, if you'll bow down and worship me, I'll give you all the kingdoms of this world. Well, Jesus lived a life of total obedience to the Father, and now we see him not just with authority over the kingdoms of this world, but absolute all authority over all creation, over all that God is, and even the devil himself someday is going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Won't like it. It's going to go to hell. It's created for him because Jesus is absolutely over all. that awesome? And Jesus, as Lord, has the authority to command his followers. Because he's the rightful king of the kingdom of God, Jesus has the authority to command us as his followers to go and make disciples for him among the nations. But people, that's an incredible calling. That's a great calling. It's a great commission. Jesus spent just a little over three years pouring his life into, this, into these disciples. And after his death on the cross and the resurrection from the dead, he now calls them to make more disciples the same as what he's made of them. Isn't that cool? In Jesus' day, rabbis typically would make disciples of themselves. They had their own understanding of the way the law was to be lived out and applied. And so they would gather disciples around them and they would teach them and they would be their disciples. Paul was a disciple of the great Rabbi Gamaliel. But Jesus was different. When he commissioned his disciples, he said, you are to make disciples not of yourselves, but of me. And our calling is to help people know Jesus Christ and follow him. We're not here to get a gathering around us. We're not here to make a name for ourselves. We are here to introduce people to Jesus Christ and bring them into what it means to follow him and know him and live for him. That is awesome. Notice this. We learn here about our mission as Jesus' disciples. Not only is Jesus Lord and God, but we also learn the mission that he's given us. Given us. Notice again, Jesus came to them, verse 18, and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always the very end of the age. Jesus said, make disciples of all nations. You know, there's a big difference between how people use the term Christian and disciple. 
there are a lot, a lot of people in our world, in our nation, and around that they call themselves Christians because they say, well, I, I believe in Jesus, you know, I, I, I kind of, I, I believe in that, so, I, you know, I, I guess I'll go to heaven. They have some type of belief in Jesus. Well, I, or I belong to this church, or I kind of grew up in that church, so I, I guess I'm a Christian, or my folks were Christians. And unless we know Jesus Christ personally and live for him, people, we're not really a believer. We're not a follower of Christ. Followers of Jesus are only called Christians three times in the New Testament. And it was kind of derogatory in, in, in one of those instances. You're like Christ once. You're following Christ. You, you act a whole lot like Jesus. Well, I hope they'll say that more about us. But disciple is used 261 times in the Gospels and Acts. That's what we are. We're, we're students. We're followers of Jesus. We're disciples of him. We've been looking in recent weeks at the Gospel of Mark. We've been looking that a disciple is one who turns from sin and following their own ways to follow Jesus completely, to trust him, to go after him. Jesus said, make disciples of all nations. It's all people groups, Jews and Gentiles alike. God has a place for all people if we will come and know him. We're called to go into the world. It's interesting how Jesus began to, shortly after the church, what was they, they were there gathered in Jerusalem, and they were they were growing and all, but God used persecution to send these believers out across the world to make other believers. People, it's wonderful to be concerned about our own area, but God also has on his heart the world, and he wants us to go and make disciples and teach people. What does that mean to make disciples of all people? First of all, he says baptizing them. It's interesting that the key verb here is make disciples. Going, baptizing, and teaching are all helping verbs or participles. Our calling is to make disciples. So the idea is that as we're going, make disciples, baptizing them in, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And I want to go on record saying water baptism does not save us. It's the outward testimony to proclaim and tell others that we've committed our lives to Jesus, that something's different in our lives. It speaks of repentance, that I'm turning away from my sin. I'm turning away from the things of this world. I'm turning away from my own ways to go after Jesus. Wow. Now I'm going to have a new life in Jesus. And so here we're speaking about the Lordship of Christ in our lives. People, Jesus wants to be so real with us that he wants to direct our lives and lead us and teach us and, and be so real in our lives that he wants us as believers to be committed to him, to belong to him, and to follow him with everything in us. That's that idea. The baptism is kind of that initiation. I'm a Christian. I'm following Jesus. I'm a disciple. But then it says, teaching them to obey. And there are too many people that have the idea that doing discipleship is just simply teaching things about the Bible. It's giving instruction. I go through certain classes. I learn certain things, and therefore I'm discipled. 
not. Discipleship goes way, way further than learning about the things of God. Discipleship also has to do with obeying the things that we learn in this Word, of our lives being changed, of our character being changed, of our lives uh, being transformed to look more and more like Jesus. That's God's will and plan for the church is that we look like Jesus, that we grow up into Him, to follow Him with everything in us. Jim Hernando, one of my professors, said this. He said, we must do more than teach people how to become Christians. We must teach them how to live as followers of Christ. Teach them how to live out the Lordship of Christ in every aspect of life. Becoming a Christian is more than praying a simple prayer. Becoming a Christian is saying, Lord, I give you everything in me. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to follow you. But I want to give you hope. These disciples are a good example for us because they were far from perfect. They were growing. They were developing. Discipleship is a growing experience in Jesus. That's encouraging for me. Because every one of us, and even following the Lord, we make mistakes. We have to learn things. We misunderstand things. We're growing. But that's the beauty of it. And Jesus says, teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. Matthew is full of the sermons of Jesus, the teachings of Jesus, the parables of Jesus, the, the way that he lived his life, the way that he taught the disciples, the miracles that he did. Matthew was full of it. It's a great discipleship manual, you might say, all of these Gospels, to learn about Jesus and how to follow him. But I think in our day I want to focus on one thing. There's so much. But Matthew 22 it says that Jesus, when he was asked about the greatest commandment, they said the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. It's the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus is saying if you do this, you will fulfill all that the law and the prophets require of us. We don't naturally do this command. We don't naturally love God. We don't naturally love others. We need to be taught how to walk and live in Christ. But discipleship is simply teaching other believers how to love God with everything in us and how to love our neighbors as ourselves. And Jesus is the greatest example of loving others, a sacrificial love. Not cheap words, not emotions, but actual down, get dirty, sacrifice, give my life for others. But the absence of love in our lives has devastating consequences, both in terms of our, our lives and our witness in the world around us. It's sad that so often those that have named and said, I'm a Christian, don't live with Christ's love. God help us. God help us. When love is missing from our lives, it's a contradiction to what Jesus said is the epitome of, Christ, of, of Christian discipleship. John 13, 35, By this all men will know that you are my disciples. How? If you have love one for another. You see, that's the standard. I'm not saying this is easy but he will help us and empower us and enable us 
by his Holy Spirit. Did these believers in the early church get it? Well, Tertullian, the great Roman historian of the second century, he said about, you know, following John's gospel, he said of these Christians, he said, see how they love one another? And this was no superficial love, for he went on to say this, how ready they are to die for one another. There was real love and commitment. And then Jesus says this, I'm with you always. That's the promise and the assurance of his presence. Jesus gives the Holy Spirit to every believer to live in us, to teach us, to help us become more and more like Jesus and, and to change our character. But last week we shared about the baptism of the Holy Spirit with Tim Enloe, and that video is available for you online. But the baptism of the Holy Spirit is an empowering for service in the Holy Spirit so that we are enabled how to teach others about Jesus and to preach Jesus and to be able to share Jesus with others. Jesus said, I'm with you always. People, if we've lost the sense of Jesus' presence in our life, possibly it's because we've lost sight of the Lord's mission in our lives. When we are gripped with this sense that God has called us to follow Him with everything in us, to love Him with everything in us, to love others, to preach Jesus, people, we will sense the presence of God in our lives, His anointing as we go. Today, Jesus is calling us to be true disciples, to make a commitment of our life to Jesus Christ completely. It's not just enough to pray a simple prayer. That's kind of the entry point. But when we pray, what we're really praying is we're inviting Jesus to come into our lives to truly forgive us of our sins, to take away the despair, the anguish, the bondage, and change our hearts and help us to live for Him. That's what we're doing. We're giving our life to Him. And when we're baptized in water, we're testifying to others, my life now belongs to Jesus. But then also, we need to grow in Him as a disciple, to learn His Word, to let the Holy Spirit apply that in our lives. And we need one another to do that. We live in a world that's so hurting. But people, the answer today is not more violence. It's not more hatred. It's not more criticism. It's not more all those kinds of things. There's a lot. Of, I'm not here to sort out the right and wrong of all the stuff going on in our world. What I'm here to say is that Jesus is the answer. And that if we will give our lives to him, he will change our heart in relationship to the Lord. You know, change our heart in our families. You know, change our lives in, in our neighborhoods, in our communities, in our world. God came so that everyone could know Jesus Christ. Wow, isn't that awesome? I want to invite you who are here today, and you that are watching by video or online, would you like to give your life to Jesus Christ today? 
Would you like him to say, Lord, I'm tired of trying to run the show on myself. I need something different. I want to live for you. I want the peace and the joy that's in you. I want to experience your love. I want to experience all that you have to offer. If that's you today. I invite you to pray this prayer with me. Be you're watching or you're here today, pray this with me. Heavenly Father, I know I'm a sinner. I need Jesus. I believe that you came, that you sent Jesus to die for my sins and to make me a new person, to give me life, eternal life. Lord, I ask you today to forgive me of all my sins, to come into my heart and life and make me a new person and help me to learn your ways, Jesus, and to follow you with all my life. Lord, I give my life to you completely. Thank you, Jesus, for loving me. Amen. If you prayed that prayer today, you just started a new life with Jesus.